What's up, Shepard? <laughs> back Welcome back. Another one. It feels like we just did it. It's great. Two episodes a month. This is awesome. And this is actually, as I was putting everything together, I realized this is number 10. So this is a good milestone. Ooh, milestone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, number 10. It's crazy. So just like that, went through, again, first episode, um, first second episode of the month uh, with 2024 coming around. This has been just awesome. So really excited to get this going, having two episodes a month. I know the people we talk to, which is insane, they've been asking for for more. I get texts every once in a while asking if our podcast mic or everything broke. And <laughs> that's an awesome, awesome feeling to get. So really appreciate everybody's support um, at the point that this is coming out to the end of January. So shameless plug again get some t-shirts i don't know what number we'll be at by that point this is actually actually be a ways out from here but february 1st will be right around the corner so if we haven't sold 100 by by this point uh february 1st those little orders will get submitted and then everybody who is ordered one you'll get one in about a month is what uh what job town said so shameless plug out of the way that's how we're going to talk about with that again that has been awesome get your t-shirts, t-shirts so. awesome fantastic well, we got a great guest today. Like we said uh, in the last episode and episodes before, this is the first person that we got to ask in person. Um, I was really excited to ask Brian to, to come on here. He's got a lot of valuable input, not only for being a firefighter, but taking care of ourselves once we, we get to that retirement age with our, our finances. So really excited to get him going. We're not going to waste any more time. I'm going to bring him in here. Thanks to all of our sponsors, all listeners, everybody. You guys know the drill. So let's get Brian in here. Brian, how's it going? Brothers, good morning. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said, we'll give you a little chance right now to introduce yourself, tell us a little about you, and we'll get into get into these questions. Yeah, thanks. Hey, it's really great to be with you guys and uh, great to be with all the brothers and sisters that are listening to the podcast. Thanks for doing this. This is really cool. I really like it. And a uh, little bit about me. Uh, again, I'm Brian Jeffries, and uh, I hail out of uh, Arizona. I was, uh, I was a firefighter for just uh, 30 years, and I retired on February 28th of this year. So... Um, during that time, I spent about 25 of my 30 years as a union officer, uh, both being local president, eventually being state president, representing 8,000 firefighters and paramedics throughout the state of Arizona. And uh, when I retired on February 28th, I didn't wait very long to go back to work. I started the next day working for our IFF. And uh, I work in our specifically in our financial corporation. And I get the great honor of traveling all over this country and all and even including Canada uh, speaking to our firefighters, talking about ways we can uh, make their retirements better, ways we can uh, make their lives better. And uh, it's just the greatest honor to me. I always said I had two great honors. Number one, every one of us that gets off a fire truck and, uh, and serves the public has uh, some of the greatest honor of a lifetime. But then to be able to get off shift and then go spend the day representing firefighters and trying to make their lives better for the union uh, is, is a very honorable thing to me as well. And so I've had a blessed life. Um, Recent cancer survivor, got it on the job. Uh, thank God I'm here, knock on wood. And so uh, going through all of that uh, gives me uh, a little bit different perspective uh, than I used to have. And I'll tell you, every day is a blessing. And uh, I try to make every day the best day possible. And I've been looking forward to spending part of my day today with you guys. So let's have fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's awesome to hear about going through it. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on, on beating cancer there. Thank you. Keep I, I'll do it. Yeah. I hope yeah, not. I, I can't, I hope I can't not. imagine. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. If you, if you can, if you want to touch it, there's, there's nothing right now, right? No. Right? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I, I have, you know, we had this uh, job or yeah, this uh, physical that um, Heather Schumacher put together. It was very good. Um, so this company comes in 
Dragon's getting physical. They do a bunch of ultrasounds, cancer screen and stuff, um, which is really awesome that we get to do. Um, I think first first year doing it. Um, yep. So, yeah, they just found something in my throat, but we put yeah. something, doctor's appointments, and hopefully yeah, it's ho- nothing. But. Hopefully it's nothing. But, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's such a huge thing. I, uh, fortunately, you know, I have an experience, but you got Brennan down here, and I'm coming in in, in January to do my, my physical, but, like, I'm sure you'd be one to absolutely speak that that's extremely huge because hopefully, and we're hoping that that's absolutely nothing. But if that is, that's something that wouldn't be noticed until later, especially in a, a young guy whose physical is extremely important. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. a, catching it early. That's the ticket. Catching yeah, it early. Yeah, exactly. I in mind when I was, I, coincidentally, I was at the Fallen Firefighter Memorial in Colorado Springs, and I started having some flank pain and some groin pain. And, uh, and I found a lump and, uh, I'd never forget this for the the rest of my life. I got was, I sat down, I I went in the shower and then I got my class A uniform on. And then I met my buddy who I've known since sixth grade, we played little league together. And I sat right next to him and here we are putting, you know, putting more names on the wall from cancer than ever in our history. And I, I looked over at him. I go, dude, I think I've got a problem. I just found a lump, man. And uh, that started that whole journey. Yeah. And the, the, the point to my to saying this is that if we'd have had some of the screenings that we're starting to introduce into the department, whether it be the, the low dose CTs, the the, um, the uh, ultrasounds, things of that nature, mine would have been discovered much, much sooner. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had to go through the almost, you know, life taking chemo that I had to do 100 days, five, five hours a day, five days a week for 100 days. Doc says I'm gonna have to just about kill you with chemo. Um, if yeah, we're gonna wow. stay so, um, man, if, to the brothers and sisters out there, when the department starts offering those screenings, take advantage of it. It can save your life. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what. I, I mean, we didn't even uh, discuss that. I have that as a plan, but that's just an important thing to to talk about because we said, you know, if if something comes of this or with anybody, whoever founds it, like. Just those screens are important. If you're in a position to implement those screenings, do it. If your department doesn't offer it, look into it. Talk to your union, talk to your health and safety officer, whatever it is. Like, you know, this would be one of the not not very few people that absolutely get it found early. And that's that's what you need to do. Like you said, that now that we offer it. So you're here. Yeah. Anyway, with that that sidebar in there, that was, <laughs> congratulations again on beating that. That's that's amazing to hear. It's it's awesome that's, that that was very awesome. Uh, here, so. Um, well, we'll flip the flip the coin on there. We'll keep moving on with our with our questions here. So, uh, first one that we have down is, how did you end up in the fire service? I ended up in the fire service. Uh, I was I just got out of high school. I was going to college and uh, taking a bunch of classes with no idea what the heck I wanted to do with my life. And uh, uh, I do pretty well if I've got a mission and I've got a goal. Um, you know, I played. Played a lot of football, a lot of baseball, was into weightlifting. And I, I you know, when I've got a goal, I do fine. But I, I was not enjoying being uh, rudderless during that period of time. And uh, I, I got married very young. And uh, my father-in-law at the time was a Phoenix firefighter paramedic. And one day he says, hey, you ever thought about being a firefighter? And I said, well, I, you know, I had given it a little thought because one of my assistant football coaches in high school uh, was a uh, part-time coach, full-time Phoenix firefighter. But I, I didn't really know what to do. And so he goes, why don't you come down to my station and go for a ride along? And uh, 
Station 41 on B-Shift in Phoenix. And, uh, well, you guys know the rest of the story. I mean, yeah. all, it took, all it took was one. And I'm like, this, this is the shit. This is exactly mm-hmm. what I want to do with myself. So I instantly, uh, I changed colleges. I uh, went to Phoenix College where they had a fire science degree program, EMT, fire science classes, et cetera. Um, and I'll tell you, that I think was a period of time, if you go back to the history of the fire service, where statistically at least here in Arizona, I think it was the hardest time to get hired because we're in a little bit of a recession at the time. Mm-hmm. Departments, you know, weren't hiring big numbers. So, you know, it took several years and a lot of tests before I, I finally got the job. And, you know, I'd go to the, I'd go to the, you know, tests around the Valley, you know, all the various cities because I want to increase my chances. But Phoenix, for example, I'd walk in, there'd be 3000 people in the Phoenix convention center for 30 jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was so damn competitive. So I just kept at it. I ended up putting myself through paramedic school. Uh, and then I eventually I got the call uh, in Mesa Fire, which is where I spent uh, 28 in my 30 years on the job. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to, to hear those numbers. We, we've talked about it quite a few times, um, but even just like my father. So we're from Wisconsin and there's a the city that I live in is nowhere near the size of any of these big cities, not even close to Milwaukee, Madison, but it's a decent size. And when he applied, he just retired in February as well. Um, when he applied, he was one out of a hundred for like one position. And that like when I applied for Beaver Dam, where I am now, I was applying with I think I only had like 21 people for seven positions. Like it was <laughs> It's just crazy how much it did change, even small town wise, small in this, like in just this area. I can't imagine big city. Like I know Milwaukee down by us, their numbers, they're getting like 600 people, but they used to be in the thousands. Like back mm-hmm. when my dad was looking back in the 20, 30 years ago. So at, yeah, I, mean, getting, I can't imagine that. We're getting less than half. And in many cases, about a third of what we used to get. And uh, I, I look forward to talking about that more, maybe toward the end, but I, yeah. I don't understand it, but what I do understand is that any time somebody, a family member or a friend sends me someone who's interested in the fire service, I say, brother or sister, man, there is no better time <laughs> to get mm-hmm. on the job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good job anywhere. It wasn't always like this. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's, yeah. a, it's a good time to be testing it on the job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whatever the change was, is the big reason that we're even sitting here today because it, it, the service became young. I mean, when I was going through school just the four or five years ago, they were telling the exact same thing. This is the best time to get in because everybody increased their staffing like 25, 30 years ago. So there's all these retirements, all these openings and all of a sudden, boom, you fast forward to now. And like, we are some of the senior guys with the least amount of time. And it's just, that's everywhere. You go everywhere. We go to our, our fools meetings, our trainings are across the country. Everybody's like, yeah, I got like 50 people underneath me now. Like, it's just crazy how yeah. young it became just overnight. So just boom. And now less people applying and the people that are, you're getting little, no experience. You got to take this from you guys and everybody going out the door that drop some of that off before you leave. Indeed. Uh, next question that we got. So going back to when you first started kind of talking about that time frame, uh, what did you do as a new firefighter in respect to your crew? Yeah, I'm sorry. What did I do as a new firefighter? To earn the respect to your crew. Oh, you know, as you guys know, I mean, it starts, you know, the indoctrination into being a firefighter really begins before you get hired. And um, 
I, I, you know, made a decision that, you know, no matter where I went, no matter who I was meeting with to help me with interviews, who I was talking to, who I was being introduced to, that I was going to, you know, always try to just show who I really am and what kind of hard worker I am and, and what kind of committed human being I am. And, and so, and, and I carried that, you know, certainly through my rookie year, that first year, always being the first one up, always having everything done, cleaning everything to a polished shine, always looking my, my uniform the best and everything, because that reputation really starts on there your first day. And that reputation matters, not just on your first day, your first year, but through the rest of your entire career, especially, you know, especially down the line as things, you know, if, with, when situations come up or things get tricky, if you've carried a strong reputation your whole career, people are going to believe in you. They're going to believe that if you've got something to say that it matters because you've earned that. And so back to your question, it really started with uh, something that is near and dear to my heart. And that is never being, um, you know, we, in my department is the Mesa Fire Department, M-E-S-E. And I used to call, I'm never going to be part of the me Fire Department. I'm part of the Mesa Fire Department. So my, my actions and my heart always include my crew and my department. It's not about me. Okay. None of this is about me. I didn't pick this career to, to go out and serve the public for my own self-interest. And I didn't pick this career uh, to, you know, go and, and spend time by myself and, and not be constantly thinking about what's going to help my crew be successful. And so always just, you know, letting your actions speak those words, which are, you know, just the, it's the little things like, hey, oh, who's going to cook today? Hey, I'll cook, you know, or or running out there and grabbing the mop or, you know, being the first one in there to clean the toilets or, you know, something else has to be done. Hey, somebody's at the door. I'm going to I'll go grab the door. And hey, it's a bunch of kids. Hey, I'll lead this uh, conversation with the kids and give them the tour and all those kind of things. You know, these are there's such little things in the in the grand scheme of things, but they make such a difference earning the the respect of your crew. And then always being the first one too to do the dirty stuff. You know, you go on that nasty call and you're the first one in there to clean up the mess. You're the first one in there willing to really get under the shoulders of that big three hundred pound patient. Uh, say I'm you know, hey, I'm the young strong guy in the crew. Let me let me do this part. You know, it's just those little things, and of course. In a 24-hour shift, they they just add up, and uh, and and beyond that, that that doesn't just stop when you check out a shift in the morning. It also continues, and of course, I you know I, I mentioned before my involvement in the union, but being willing to help the department on your days off, finding something you can do to help the mission, and and for me, you had asked earlier about my intro to the fire service. Well. Once I decided to enter the fire service, my father-in-law introduced me to his friends, which were a lot of the union execs uh, for the various departments. And the biggest thing, they, they did a lot for me to help me with firefighter interviews. Because as you guys know, I mean, that's a whole art and science in and of itself. And nobody just can walk in and do that naturally. I certainly couldn't. So with all the help and the mock interviews and all the things they did for me, the only thing they ever asked of me is the day you get on the job, don't be that guy that says, I can't help out with that charity event. You know, I'm going to be at the lake on my boat, you know, just be willing, you know, once in a while to be helpful. And so I took that advice and took it very seriously. So I got involved with uh, things on my day off uh, right away. And I think that helps cement uh, my reputation as well. By he's he's someone who cares enough to be involved. He's not just about himself and uh, taking care of his butt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Little things we talk about 
a lot on here. That's perfect. That's exactly what you got to do. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to throw in some stuff about the union layered asphalt. Cause that's just another thing that is really important for a lot of new people to have the opportunity. So hopefully you have time to, to dive into that there. You got a lot to offer, a lot to talk about for new firefighters. We'll keep, uh, keep pounding through and make sure we can try and get as much as we can. Um, so the next one is going to be kind of along that same lines, but uh, you retired as, as a captain. So especially once you got that role or even just as a more senior firefighter, um, how did you motivate your firefighters? Yeah, so I, I, I spent 20 of my 30 years as a, as a company officer. I, uh, once I started getting some experience as a firefighter, uh, after a few years, I tested for engineer did that for a short time, uh, enjoyed that. But then I knew that I wanted to make captain fairly quickly only because uh, I had gotten the union bug. I was really involved. I'd become the vice president. I knew that that was going to take up so much of my time that uh, my ability to go back and study and, and prepare for the exam was going to start to become very limited. So I, I really focused on it. I, thankfully, I made it the first time I took the test. And the biggest thing that I learned when, when it came to coming into new crews and working with people is, number one, letting them know how much you care about them. Um, you know, it's, it's little things and big things. I mean, it's learning about their families and, and caring about them. I mean, every year I would take my crew to, to and their, their wives. Uh, we'd all go to uh, Christmas dinner on me you know, go, go somewhere and get away from work and, and let them and their, and their families know how much I care about them. And that, um, you know, building that relationship was, was so important because um, I think that they knew that I wasn't just there to, you know, uh, make sure that we got through the shift or whatever. I mean, you got to think about, you know, how, you know, I hate to I talk in these terms, but if something ever went really wrong, Imagine how that relationship would be with that wife, with those kids, et cetera. And so I took that responsibility very seriously. And I, I had, you know, made sure that we all had each other's phone numbers. We all had our wives' phone numbers and, and, and knew, you know, where their kids went to school and all these kind of things. So, so that was a part of it. And then the next thing was always making sure that, you know, as we get through the shift, that, you know, you're taking the temperature of your crew. How's everybody feeling? How, you know, what priorities do they have? If your engineer is in the middle of taking the captain's exam, well, I want to make sure I give him or her some time to, you know, get as much studying in as possible. I'm not going to, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to kind of try to temper the schedule for the day to let them know, hey, this is a big priority. Do you need to just go study? You do that. Or if we need to spend some time doing some tacticals, you let me know. I'll get it set up for you, uh, et cetera. Or, you know, if the firefighters got something going on at home, you know, making sure that I, I'm kind of I've got my my spidey senses up. I'm, I'm paying attention to those things. I'm not just, you know, looking the other way because I'd rather keep problems small and solve them when they're there before something turns into some type of a big issue. And then lastly, I'll talk about, you know, always uh, showing my crew that number one, um, physically I'm always mission ready and I expect them to be too. I'm in that gym and we've got some downtime showing them that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I actually used to love, you know, especially toward the, the end of my career, I'd get these young young guys and gals <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, hey, what do you do for a workout? And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I've got this thing and I do some cross. Okay, okay, I'm doing it with you. I'm going to follow you. Let's go. And they're like, uh, awesome. <laughs> and it's like okay i'm like and, and no matter what their workout was i'd want to do it with them and i'd want to 
to make see if I can still keep up with the young people. You know what I mean? But it shows that like this is a priority, and this should be a priority for you today. Not just because you're trying to have nice abs for the ladies, but this should be a priority for you 25 years from now. Why? Because I expect you to be mission ready. But the captain is too. He's not some old fat guy that just sits in his office. You know what I mean? So, um, so leading by example, and I know that's a, a common term, but it's so true. You know, when we when we get to the door and you got the hose and I've got the thermal imager, I'm going right in behind you. Okay, we're crawling in there together. We're going to keep touching each other. We're going to know that we're there together. Um, so you know that, hey, you know, I'm the type of company officer that's got your back. I care about you off duty. I care about you on duty. When I'm not here, I'm, I'm down there trying to negotiate a better pay raise for you. And I'm trying to get you better health insurance. I care about you. And that's true today. And it was true then. It's just as, as much true now. I think that's how, you know, you earn uh, earn the respect of your crew. If you're someone that just wants to sit on your mobile device all day, you know, with your room at the door closed and you only show up for calls and when you're there, you kind of seem like you're not into it and you're not that concerned with where your crew is and how they're doing and what's going on in their lives. Well, you're not going to earn my respect and you're certainly not going to earn the respect of your crew because you're not being a team player. And that type of behavior is something that is an ongoing challenge. I think it's even more so today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we every every episode it gets hit on whenever we have an officer, just even the training with your crew, working out with the crew, whatever you can do to not only have your crew see you, but know what your crew can do. Because when you get on a fire scene, that's going to be the best thing to happen. If you are in your room the whole day and your office is a closed door, you're not going to know what you guys can do. You're going to just be out there kind of <laughs> winging it and seeing what works. That's right. Uh, so along kind of the very similar routes, but instead of the motivation, uh, the crew camaraderie, which you did touch on a little bit, um, what do you think brings a crew together best? So a, f- a few things. Number one, um, I-, I believe, and especially true of the company officer, but it can be true of anybody on the crew, is uh, is l- it, 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 never allowing the conversations during downtime, whenever possible, to turn negative. Um there's a way, and this is about leadership, and this can happen at all ranks. It's just when when those moments where conversations are starting to turn negative, someone brings something positive in there and just flips the script. You know, it, it, it only takes one person to get that script flipped, and pretty soon you're talking positively again. I think that's that's number one because it can be it, it's so easy to pile on to negative negativity and allow mm-hmm. that to to tear a crew apart, to allow them to just become reputationally uh, a bunch of nags. And that's, that's not where anybody should be. And, and number two, I'll build on that. And when it comes to gossip, you know, one, of the, one thing that's really harmful to, you know, a fire department in general and crews is, is negative gossip. I, I, I used to, when I worked station one downtown, we, there's, you know, our big house, like everybody seems to have. And, um, you know, we'd have a lot of people that would rove through there and, I, 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 multiple times I'd have someone come in, sit down at the kitchen table. There'd be like 16 of us there. And next thing you know, <clears throat> you know, someone's talking about something somebody over on, on sea shift did. And, uh, you know, it was all speculation and rumor, et cetera. And, I, and I'd stop the conversation. Do you, do you know for sure that that's what really happened? Well, no, but I heard it from some guy on a shift. I said, so you, so you just walked into here, into this station drop this grenade on this table and and you don't even really know all the facts. And and have you asked this person one-on-one, like, did this really happen or what their side of the story is? Well, you know, no, I mean, I did. 
So then I pick up, we used to, you know, have a, a roster of everybody's phone number in the whole department sitting there on the, on the shelf. So I pull it out and I call the number, I put it on speakerphone and I call and it's ringing, you know, and, and they're looking mm. at me, eyes get this bad. So you're going to ask them right here in front of us what really happened with them. No, 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 no. So hang up, Cap. You know what I mean? And it's funny as hell, right? But but seriously, if you don't have the you-know-whats to eyeball-to-eyeball eyeball ask somebody, say, hey, brother, I heard this rumor about you, and I, I just want to come <laughs> to you straight up and say, hey, you know, is everything okay with you, whatever? You know, how much care did you were – you, were you just, you know, having fun and gossip? Or we just really give a crap about what's going on with that person? And you guys know. I mean, more often than not, it's a bunch of crap, and it's been sensationalized. Yeah. But that stuff's – that stuff's all negativity. And uh, whenever yeah. possible, you really, you talked about reputation. When you're someone that's always looking to be positive and, and lift lift your brothers and sisters up, uh, you're going to build a better reputation. You're going to build a better fire department. There's no doubt about it. So um, that's what I would say is, is a really, uh, it, it all boils down to attitude and uh, it doesn't take much uh, to go good and it doesn't take a whole lot to go bad either. And so. <laughs> Showing leadership, showing respect, and showing caring makes such a big difference. That's right. Um, one of our captains actually was like, I think we're going through this, this patch, and he's like, write down 10 positive things that this department offers. And I think that went a long way within the department. And like, we took a look at it, and was like, we actually, you know, are pretty sitting pretty good. So just mm-hmm. drop the negativity. So. I really liked that one of our captains did that. Um, it just gave people the That's perspective great. of of you know, look at the pro- positives within our organization. So yeah, it's it's really That's, easy for for our department to slip into some of those. So it's, that's why that was all. It was it was a rough patch. We had like I said, we have so much changeover and stuff. We had so many people leaving. It became young. It became basically like a high school overnight. And I mean, we're a one station department, so our you know. Chiefs are just on the hall, so something goes wrong or something's out of place, like that gets reported and figured out and seen. And you know, there was a, there was a period where it was like there was an email for everything, every little equipment that was out, every little thing like there was there. And finally, it just took the captain and, and everybody to be like, all right, enough's enough. Like this is just is this isn't helping anybody. Like we're just sitting here doing that, and it was an extremely easy change that that happened really quick. It's a funny thing because, um, you know, we all grow up together in many ways. I mean, we get hired at a fairly young age and we, you know, hopefully retire at, a, at, at you know, 25, 30 years later. A lot of changes go on in our lives during that period. And, and sometimes things at, at, at this moment in time can seem so important and so intense and, and drive your, your uh, emotions either high or low, et cetera. But, but God, every veteran will tell you this, and here I am now saying it too, but it goes by so damn fast. It goes by in such a blink of an eye. And, uh, you know, now I'm at that phase where once a month, you know, at our union hall, they have a coffee and bagels for the retirees. And you go in there and you chat with the fellas and, and, and the gals, and, you're, and you just kind of talk about old times. You talk about uh, a lot of things. And, and, and none of that shit matters. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I think about times where, you know, chiefs got really upset about this or the firefighters got really upset about that. And you look back at it now and you're like, God, that was silly. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know right. I mean? Exactly. 
Yeah. So yeah. Just, if you can keep that perspective and just mm-hmm. recognize, hey, we, yeah. we first first mission first is going home at the end of the shift. That is mission first, right? And having a good time along the way, in my view, is mission second. Uh, right. And uh, you know, not and and uh, and still liking each other. I think those three things uh, can make such a big difference. We should enjoy going to work. It should yeah. be something that yeah. we look forward to, not going to yep. work and getting you know, push down all the time. So I think really bring up the positive stuff and keeping the positive. I think that goes a long way. That's right. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the, I love the the phone book. I love the calling the, the actual person. Cause that, that's so many, the stuff that we try and do, like so many problems are solved by just that conversation. Yeah. And I think, I think doing that is even a funny way of like, <laughs> you have the person actually there. Cause I try and if, if anything ever goes around, like I'll go and talk to the person, but making the, the person spreading the rumors get the call. That's, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, We've got people that will run into burning buildings, but they will not, they are scared to death of a one-on-one uh, tough conversation. Yeah, exactly. I bet the, I bet those, uh, those rumors of the people that sat down at that table are shut down real quick after like the second or third time you made somebody do that. Yeah, yeah, they'll think twice. Not yeah, on our shift. That's awesome. Just a simple conversation solves it ninety nine percent of the time. Right. That's awesome. All right. So the next one we have that kind of finishes up the uh, questions that we ask everybody. Except we're going to be adding this one this year because it has been such a a good one that people can take in every different direction. And this was asked twice by our previous guests for the next one. So that was kind of what we we're like. You know what? We'll just throw this in for everybody. And it is just simply, why are we here? <laughs> to take care of Mrs. Smith. <laughs> you know, old Chief Brunacini, that's what that's what uh, he pioneered. And he was absolutely right. Take care of Mrs. Smith. Take care of each other. It's that simple. Be nice. Be safe. Go home. That's why. That's what we're doing. It's that. That's mm-hmm. it. And you guys know, you know, no matter what. What causes a person to dial nine one one? We're there to help them in any way, shape, or form, and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's their it's their emergency. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, we talked uh, last last episode with JD about how you can't just say that you're here because you want to help people because that's not what this job is. You know, ninety no. percent of it is BS, but to some of them, to most of them it's their emergency. Yeah. You may be sitting there at 3am. Like, why are you calling? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's their emergency. So you got to help them. There's that 10% that are actually abusing the system. that you are like, all right, get out of here. But yeah. you know, Mrs. Smith fell down at 3am and husband can't get up. And you're like, Oh my God, again, it's theirs. It's that, that's their emergency. That's why you're here. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm I'm recently going through a, a, an interesting exercise. Over the years, I would keep newspaper articles. We used to have these things that are called newspapers. Uh, they made, <laughs> they're made of paper, and they would actually throw them on the front ramp of the station every day. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, I used to cut out articles of calls and different things that with budget cuts in the department, or you know, just. Anything that pertained to the department, I cut it out and I threw it in a box. Well, as you can imagine, that box got very full over the years. And it, it had been uh, in, a, in a closet. And I pulled it out. And I, uh, I actually, a gal that I went to high school with uh, offered to, uh, to help me scrapbook this stuff. And so 
I'm working on. It's turned out to be a much bigger project than yeah. either of us could have imagined. I bet. Yeah, it's big. But I'll tell you something, going back through those articles, because we do run a lot of calls that don't, I'll just say that don't test our skill sets uh, the way that, that we would That's design. the politically correct way to say it. <laughs> um, I don't hear calling bullshit, but that's yeah. much better. <laughs> But the ones that are big and the ones that do matter, you know, when you when you get to where I am in your career and you go back through that box, holy shit, there's a lot. And there's a lot. And, and I kind of I, I mean, I forgot about a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. but they're, they're ones where like, wow, that made a massive difference. You know, I found one in particular from a call I was on coincidentally near Christmas time like we are today. Um, many years ago. And I actually sent a text message to my old crew that I was with back then. I was a firefighter. Uh, that's how long ago it was. And, um, and, and we had a nice little dialogue back and forth about that call, you know? So uh, that's, uh, that's where all the money and all the, and the resources go for those big calls. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a, we don't have the newspapers anymore, but <laughs> I've got a, <laughs> I tried to somewhat incorporate that in my in my helmet that I kind of came up with the ideas. I'm a big right. Star Wars geek, and uh, my favorite one is uh, Captain Rex, and so he has tally marks for all his kills. Well, uh-huh. I'm not doing kills. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of tally marks. <laughs> but uh, I've got I've got red tallies, and I got blue tallies, and I got my red tallies for fires, and I got my blue for like uh, significant our EMS. So we get a lot of traumas and stuff, so. It just so happens it's probably it's not going to be at the end of the day, but all three of mine that I have on there for my three years have been a version of a kit, just something that that stuck out, a call that really was something that beneficial, and and uh, decided that you know I should have roughly three helmets in my career, so each one's going to have the tallies that I got during the lifespan of each of those helmets. So that's that's kind that. of how my simple scrapbook's going to be because yeah i don't have newspapers to cut them out but <laughs> that was something i just thought it was a cool way to do my my nerdiness and uh keep track of you know the the good things we've done i love that and i'll tell you one thing one thing that you know this new generation has uh that was far more difficult for us with our devices is the ability to take lots of pictures and uh mm-hmm. boy take a lot of pictures during your career especially of the crews that you work with you know oh, yeah that uh, I know you've heard that before, but I can't emphasize it enough. It is uh, you're going to really thank yourself someday for keeping uh, keeping pictures. Every yeah, fire we go trying. to, um, yeah. we take a fire or a picture with our crew who worked that fire after each fire. So now I have in my basement, I kind of have a fire theme, and I print all the pictures of the fires that we went to. Um, after, at the end, all the crews that uh, I worked with with that fires. So I'm trying to do yeah, that every. My whole career and get some pictures yeah, like can, that. You, over the years, you can see the receding hairlines. You can see the gray come out. But uh, that's why I always wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I found it here. So here's our here's our last nice. one it's on my computer. So popped up our last one after that. So our MPO didn't want to get into it. He doesn't like his pictures, but we had uh, the rest of our crew that was working <laughs> that day on there. So yeah, it's it's some of the uh, little things that a lot of I know this generation has done and. There's people that scoff at it. There's you can see the old the old generation. They're always like, "Oh my god, like, thank thank you for your service and stuff." But it's cool to have it. Like Brennan said, turn into those pictures, or I, I try and uh, keep them on my Facebook page in some form or another. I, yep. Way that you can 
always look back at it and be like, hey, you remember this one? Remember this? I mean, we got pictures all over the station from that that old generation, but posing in front of the fire truck, that draws the line, right? That's a... Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's awesome. All right. Well, you found the simplest way to answer that. That was that was awesome. So I think you, you hit it right on the head. Um, next one, we get to talk about some of these the specialties that you've got in there that I'm really excited to give that you can give a good insight on. Um, and this one's probably pretty broad, so we can go into this as deep as we want. But what is the best financial advice that you would give to a new firefighter? Okay. Um, I, I come at this in a little different way than uh, I think some others do. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a complicated answer. Uh, so I, I have had the great benefit in my life of, of being mentored by some people outside the fire service when it comes to finances. And um, that has been an interesting journey for me. Um, I, I've learned a great deal uh, from, from several of these people. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a guy named Robert Kiyosaki. Um, he, he authored the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it, it's pretty popular. It's out there throughout the world, actually. So coincidentally, he lives here in Phoenix. Okay. And, um, and he, there's a, he, there's him and there's another gentleman who unfortunately I lost a couple of years ago named Wayne Howard and some others who, who taught me to look at the financial world differently than through the eyes that we all look at it through as firefighters. Okay. As firefighters, we're, you know, we're government workers, we have pensions, uh, we have our deferred comp, et cetera. And so we tend to look at, ev at everything through that lens, uh, at, through a lens of, you know, trying to maximize my pension so I have plenty of money when I retire, uh, maximizing my deferred comp so I have some extra, um, you know, trying to <laughs> limit the number of divorces so I don't divvy up my pension too many times, you know, things of that nature. So that that's kind of the how the firefighter world thinks of it. I think of it a little differently. Okay. I look at uh, the firefighter, or excuse me, the financial picture, uh, basically like a pizza or a pie, whatever analogy you want to use. And trying to have a diverse, uh, you know, diverse pizza that has multiple slices. Okay. Um, what's amazing as firefighters is because we have, you're going to get a paycheck every two weeks. Okay. Guaranteed. We don't work commission or anything else. You're going to have it. And you're, you know, barring some massive screw up, you're going to be there for 25, 30 years and you're going to have a pension waiting for you. That gives you a, an unbelievable um, safety net. Okay. To, 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 towards your future. And so I consider, you know, that to be one slice of the pizza which is, you know, a stable job, a guaranteed paycheck and a pension. Okay. But, you know, looking at when you get towards, you know, the 25, 30 year mark, I start to look at what are going to be my sources of income and how am I going to maximize wealth into the future? All right. So one of the things that I've learned from these guys is, is that most people start with trying to make the most money possible, have the most income possible, and then eventually they take care of their taxes, whatever that end result may be. Okay. 
Well, one of the things Kiyosaki teaches is that it's like if you take a, a T, just imagine a T, okay? Okay, on the left side of the T, you have employees up here, upper left. On the bottom left, you have small businesses, okay? Then up here on the right side of the upper T, you have um, investors. And then down here, you have massive business owners. We're talking multinational corporations. And if you take that, he calls it the cash flow quadrant. If you look at that quadrant, the people that pay all the taxes are all on the left side of the quadrant. People like us, employees and small business owners. The investors who get passive income from their investments pay little to no taxes. Okay. And the, the major corporations out there that get all the tax breaks and all the funny that they don't pay hardly any taxes either. Right. So, <clears throat> That's a different like perspective that a lot of us are used to talking about at the coffee table, right? Mm -hmm. So that one of my mentors taught me is like, start with taxes and work your way back from there. Okay, well, what does that mean? So if you're looking at all the traditional ways that firefighters have money when they, you know, in, you know as they move down their, their careers, they only tend to get it by working tons of overtime and lots of side jobs and small having a small business, laying block, you know, doing whatever on the side. All of which means a massive portion of that money is is yes, you're making more money, but so much of it's going to taxes, and so little of it tends to become investments that make you money into the future. All right. So I took a, a different approach and turned the table on that, okay? Coincidentally enough, so if you look at what I've done with my pizza, all right, um, my pension is a very humble pension. You know, I never worked overtime because I was too busy with the union. Um, I had a captain paramedic, you know, so I had a decent, but, you know, I got divorced uh, not that long ago after 30 years. And so, you know, she gets a big portion of that. And that happens to a lot of us, right? So, but what's interesting about it is that that is not the highest portion of my income today in retirement. Okay. Um, and, and your pension gets taxed. Okay. So I think about it as not such a bad thing. It's, it's good to have that, but it actually has me in a lower tax bracket. So along the way, I created other forms of investments that would provide me income into the future that are not going to be taxed, okay? And the I have a, a strong belief that firefighters are positioned better than almost anybody during their careers to invest in real estate, all right? And that's what I did. I, I started 30 years ago purchasing rental properties, okay? And it's interesting because back then, I just read books about it at the station, about the tax advantages of real estate and I'm living it today. And what happens is all, all those properties that I was able to buy, I kept, when I would go to the bank and say, Hey, I want to pick up another mortgage. Uh, now, and then it eventually became firefighters credit union. Who's amazing to work with by the way, they'd always loan you money because they know you're getting a freaking check in two weeks. They know you're going to have a pension to back that up. And so I did it very reasonably, very conservatively. I didn't go bananas with it, but I just kept at it over the years. So I had my, I'd have my pension. 
I'd have my deferred comp, which I put a lot of money in that too. Okay. And, but then I would also take a portion of it and, and, and do the real estate thing. And I could do a whole nother show on all the techniques for how to, to, to uh, maximize the real estate opportunity. But because you're in such a position, you're in a position where you could take on those extra mortgages and make those rent. And here I am 30 years later, and a lot of those properties are paid off. Um, and I'll give you just one lovely example to just express this whole thing. When I bought my very first home, I got I got first first time home buyer opportunity. I put fifty five hundred dollars down on this house, okay, uh, and then uh, the place went up thirty grand uh, in the, over the next three years because we were in an up cycle. So I, I sold it and took the thirty grand and put it into another home, okay. So <clears throat> when I went into this next home, I stayed there for two years, and then I turned around and made it my very first rental property, okay. And so that rental property, I still own in my portfolio today. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath house, two-car garage, about 1,600 square foot, okay? Today, that house, I have, I have leveraged it three times and then paid it off again, okay? Using the leverage to buy other properties on the Monopoly table, right? And then in doing so, today, that house is paid for free and clear, it cash flows me $2,200 a month cash to me, okay, in my pocket. I pay no taxes on that at all, okay, zero taxes on that money, zero, because it's passive income. It's on the other side of the cash flow quadrant that I mentioned earlier, right? And so, uh, and if you think about it, so that house is worth about a half a million dollars. I paid 113000 for it. And <laughs> if you look at how much money I invested in that home, I took my original 5,500 and let's just say I put 20 grand into it with repairs and fix ups yeah. and yard and all that. I'm into it for about 25 to 30 grand. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's number one. Okay. And I've done that almost 30 times. So, so firefighters, uh, are in such a unique position to do this. And I have put on classes at fire stations on how to do this stuff, um, <laughs> maybe a hundred times. And I can probably count on my two hands how many of my brother and sister firefighters have actually ever done it. And because um, they're scared or they just yeah. are lazy or they'd rather work overtime. And, I, I, and what I'm living through today are the benefits of doing that that make my pension look like nothing. Okay. Yeah. But, and, and I, like I said, I'm paying taxes on my pension. I'm not paying any taxes on any of the money I make from the rental properties. And so even when, you know, the day comes when I'm, you know, if I ever start drawing off my deferred comp and, you know, money, I'm going to pay taxes on that too, you yeah. know, but again, nothing off any of this real estate. So again, I'll wrap with this because I, you guys, I could do a, two hours on this topic, but to add slices to the pizza, you've already got the most stable job. You've already got a pension, put a lot of money in your deferred comp, which is great. That's cool. But I, but also there's opportunities for things that are going to provide passive income in the future that you're not going to pay taxes on. And whether that's um, a business opportunity or whether that's a, a real estate, I still think real estate is the best thing ever for that. And, um, there's a, I'll, I'll wrap with this. There is a, uh, 
there's a, a group out there that I, I found that I think is pretty good to, to follow. Uh, they do blogs, they do podcasts, excuse me, and they do uh, all that called Bigger Pockets. They have an app. Um, they cover a lot of this stuff and, uh, young people, you know, talking about their experiences. Uh, I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate for bigger pockets. I don't get paid or anything like that. I just, I think they do a good job. So, uh, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother level. That's, and yeah. And, and, and remember this, you know, I never had kids, but, um, but, uh, you know, your, your kids won't get your pension. That's not legacy wealth, but you really want to set your kids up for the future is learn how to do this. Even if all you ever did was buy like two rental properties. Okay. I'm not talking about flipping and making short money. I'm talking long-term wealth. Okay. Long-term passive income. Say you learn how to do it and you feel good about it. Then teach your kids how to do it. And then eventually, someday, you're going to leave those properties to them. And then maybe they'll do that for their kids down the future. In one or two generations, you can set your kids and grandkids up to never even have to work. I have a dear friend. I love her to death. I went to high school with her. And her her dad was a big deal here in town. There's buildings named after him. And, uh, or excuse me, it was her grandfather. Uh, Her her part of her inheritance included 130 uh, rental properties. You can imagine what her life is. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and she said the kindest thing to me one day. She said, Brian, she said, I have to tell you something. I so respect what you've done because you taught yourself how to do this. You've done it on your own. She goes, I didn't do any of this. My grandfather did. She goes, now I know how to do it. I know how to run these and I, and I get the, the fruits of his labor. But she goes, you started it from scratch. And I, that was such a compliment. But, I mean, think about that. In only two generations, you have a woman like her who travels all over the world doing whatever she wants. And she, she writes books. I mean, that's she doesn't have to work. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and, yeah, I think, like like you said, I think a big thing is, is scared. I mean, I've got I got buddies that uh, talk with one of, one of my good friends. He's not even a fireman, but. He's like, he's going to be a nurse and uh, he got his real estate license and he's been trying to like, he's learning and teaching himself. But that's his big goal is like, he's going to start getting a lot of rental properties. He bought a house really young, just like myself. And um, he's going to probably end up turning that house into his first one. But he's been talking about for a while and in in there, but I'm like, God, that sounds, it sounds great, but it sounds so risky. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, a, if, if it's done right, it's not risky at all. And, and all the people that tried to warn me against it, including my own parents, um, you know, I'm the people that have never done it. And that's sort of a yeah. joke amongst us real estate investors that, you know, all the people that will tell you about all the reasons you shouldn't get rental real estate, all the tenants and toilets and blah, 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 are all people that have never done it. And uh, for those of us who've done it, there's just no better way to create long-term wealth with low tax, uh, tax low tax impact than, uh, yep. than real estate. And it's something tangible that you could see, touch, taste, feel. It's it's right there. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm just a huge, huge believer, and it's it's radically changed my life. And I'm you know I was just a you know just an ALS captain on on a shift. You know, I mean, yeah, that that's crazy. 
Yeah, I definitely glad I got uh, your information. Maybe something down the road to look into because it, it's not the advice that I expected uh, to hear from, but that's it's great. I mean, it's, it definitely has piqued the interest, and it sounds like a really interesting and, and good way to do it. So, that's, yeah, it's uh, ironic because I I deal with the financial services industry every day in this job. You know, running the deferred comp plan, which I'm eager to talk about when we get there. Yep, but, that's next uh, question. Yeah, but. Uh, but I always tell people, you know, I mean, I'm a huge believer in deferred comp and I'm a big believer in investing in the market. But, you know, I, and I've got a lot of money in the market, but I, I still don't freaking understand it. I don't understand. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. Wall Street just puzzles me, puzzles the heck out of me. There's so many complications to it. And, you know, so much of how the market goes up and down is based on how people feel about things. Like, I don't want to invest on how people feel, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, uh, real estate, I can wrap my head around. It's very simple, you know. It, it, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's engineer math, you know. Bake at 350 yeah. and pump at 150. I can deal with that. You know? <laughs> I like cool. that. Awesome. Oh yeah, like you said, we could probably have a whole whole another episode on that. So maybe that'd be something in the future, if uh, based on Anytime. the response from this. I know, I know, I'm glad I got your number now because that may maybe something that maybe I'll, I'll ask more about. But <laughs> I, I, I got to figure figure out life first, and you know, get all that done. But <laughs> let me know when you get that figured out. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it'll be it'll be a little bit. <laughs> Um, but now, yeah, like you said, we'll let you uh, go into uh, the kind of bread and butter and why uh, we got you with the the IFF. So um, what should every new firefighter know about deferred compensation? Give me a half a sec here. I just realized my batteries are low. <laughs> I apologize. I should have plugged in earlier. That's all good. Sorry about that. No, no problem. problem. Yeah, so, okay, I'll tell you the story, um, how I got into all this, first of all. So about 25 years ago, you know, I, I was, we were like any other department out there. Somebody in HR picked who our deferred comp provider was. And, uh, you know, they say, hey, you've got this plan. Maybe somebody came by, you know, when you got hired in the academy. Maybe somebody, a rep from the company comes by once a quarter, once a year, whatever. It shows you, you got these mutual funds, blah, blah, blah. They don't really give you a whole lot of advice. They just tell you this is available. And hopefully the senior firefighters or your captain says, hey, this is a smart thing. Put a lot of money in there. That's usually about, you know, how much people know about their deferred comp plans. And that's about how much I knew. Um, but you guys are getting to know me a little bit. I do geek out on this stuff. And so I used to kind of follow what was going on with the investments uh, within our deferred comp plan and whatnot. And so um, we had a, a weird situation in Mesa years ago where there was a the, the company that we had our money with uh, back then, it was called Aetna, uh, was bought out by a, a different company called ING. And uh, they, uh, during this trend, one of the representatives uh, for the company uh, was doing some things and going coming out to our stations that that I, I was watching happen, and I thought there's something wrong here. There is something seriously wrong going on here. And uh, 
I can't get into all the details because what ended up happening in this situation was three years of my life that I'll never get back. <coughs> but there was fraud involved and uh, we caught it. Thank God. And uh, the, I started communicating with a lot of city employees and um, I was doing this uh in a situation where we had a very unhappy city manager with what I was doing, uh, uncovering some of these problems with the plan. Uh, one of the quotes by the, I, I ended up sending an email to all city employees from my personal email address. Now this is back when we had dial up internet. Okay. I had to like copy and paste all these email addresses for city email into my personal computer from home and do this like oh, for my AOL account. I mean, this is, I know you guys are laughing. So anyway, but, so I'm doing all this and, and uh, the city is like, what on earth is he doing? And so the quote at the time, the, the city manager told the fire chief, said, you need to put a leash on Brian Jeffries. I mean, that was his exact quote. Well, turned out that what we were investigating, what we determined was accurate. And so we ended up bringing uh, 49 NASD arbitration lawsuits against an $80 billion corporation. And I had to lead that whole process. <coughs> I was a brand new vice president of the union. Um, and uh, I, I was not going, I was like sleeping two or three hours a night because I was had all the work that had to be done uh, with, with all of this. And then at the very end, um, he, uh, we ended up, uh, we, we settled, I will say, out of court. It was a multi-million dollar settlement uh, with, uh, with my members. And uh, it is it is to this day still one of the proudest things I've ever been a part of in my whole life. I mean, because I had guys lose so much money, especially when the dot com bubble bursted back in the late nineties, um, and it was just it, it was life changing for some of our people. And thank goodness we uh, we prevailed in this situation. It's a crazy thing. I've actually thought about writing a book about the whole story because yeah. it's it's quite interesting. But along the way. I learned a lot about how the financial services industry works and how these companies that provide our deferred comp plans operate. And what I found out is there's a whole lot of fees and expenses built into a lot of these plans that our people don't know about. And, um, and not only do our people not know about them, but the people in HR or finance for our cities, towns, fire districts, what have you, they don't know any of this stuff either. The only way you can know how these plans work is if you come from their industry and really know how to get under the hood. Because I don't care if you have, you know, a, a master's degree in finance, accounting, whatever, and you work for city X, Y, or Z, you still don't know how this industry works. And those are the people responsible for giving us these plans. And mm -hmm. what I also discovered was that none of these plans, they, you know, they take it off the shelf, they give it to you. And that's the, the same plan that was there 25 years ago is still there today. Well, what if the fund managers for those particular fund classes have changed? <clears throat> They're not performing the way they used to. What if, there's a better share class available for that mutual fund. What if, you know, the fee structure should have gone down because our city has doubled in size and the amount of money flowing into this plan has now doubled. Uh, and, uh, but the fee structure is the same. Shouldn't have we renegotiated because we've got better volume, all these things. And, and, and you go talk to the HR department and they look at you like, huh? 
And, and, and what I boil it down to is that most of our cities every several years have to put out uh, things to bid, right? Fire trucks have to go out for bid. Yeah. Garbage cans have to go out to bid. Everything goes out to bid. If you're going to build a new firehouse, you got you put it out to bid and multiple contractors bid on it who can do it the best and the cheapest and all that kind of thing. But when was your deferred comp plan last out for, for competitive bidding? Mm-hmm. Most of probably 80% of the ones you met throughout the United States have never been out through a competitive bid process. And if you go through them, if if I get a chance to go through the plan, you'll find that you're getting just completely bent over on the fees. I'll give you an example. I I just finished working with Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. Ann Arbor, Michigan has 514 total city employees. Not a huge city, you know, but decent size. 514 city employees. They had been with uh, what they now call themselves Mission Square, but they're really ICMA, International City County Managers Association. Um, so they've been with them as their deferred comp plan as far back as anyone can remember. It's never been out to bid. It's always been that way, just the way it is. So we did an analysis of the plan, and it only took about five minutes to figure out how bad this plan was. So every mutual fund in the plan is what's known as a proprietary fund, which means there's no T-Row price, there's no Vanguard, uh, you know, no Fidelity funds. They're all the ticker symbol for every mutual fund in their entire lineup. I think there was about 30 mutual funds was MSQ something, which means Mission Square. Okay, MSQ, MSQ, MSQ. What that means is every mutual fund has like a wrap around it that gives extra money to the company that you never see on your statement. You have no idea that this money is going to that. The the city doesn't know it. You don't know it. It's called proprietary and they make extra money on it. So 514 city employees were investing in those MSQ mutual funds through Mission Square. And the company was profiting just on those funds alone, $900,000 per year. Okay, so that's about $1,400 per employee per year on fees that they don't know they're paying. That doesn't include the administrative fees and any other fees that they're charging to invest their money for them. Okay, in in my view, it's criminal. So so we 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 I got with the local union I worked with. They had a, a, a brother named J.J. Flack who actually sat on a deferred comp committee overseeing the plan. They hired a consultant, they put the whole thing out to bid, and they dropped their fees by over 70%. So what I do when I get up in one of my presentations in front of the locals and the state associations, I show them this, and I show show them the difference that that makes. So you take a 25-year career uh, for someone who puts 100 grand or more into their account, that equals thirty dollars to $50,000 they would have had in their account that's gone. That's real money. That's not rounding error. That's not five or 10 grand. $50,000 that that company took away from your retirement. It's criminal. And I'm telling you, 80% of the plans out there on on the planet, and it doesn't matter if you're a huge local or a little local, it doesn't matter. So many of them, it just depends on whether anybody gave a shit or knew to to go through this process. So I kind of call it teaching you know, teaching people to fish, you know, we get the the process set up, get a committee established, get them a consultant, put the whole thing out to bid. And then not only is it a one-time deal to get you a better deal, but beyond that, 
the committee that oversees it should be having meetings quarterly to evaluate the mutual funds within the plan. I call it like the green light, yellow light, red light process where you're looking at a particular mutual fund and how it's doing with its uh, within its share class compared to other like funds. Now, let's say the mutual fund manager of the fund that you've had in there for the last five years retires and there's a new fund manager. Well, with the new fund manager, are they performing as well as the last fund manager? Are there, are there uh, fees going up? Is their performance going down? You put them on a watch list. If they're not doing so well, eventually you replace them and put in a higher performing fund. That's how you maximize what our firefighters and other city employees, by the way, are getting the most bang for their buck, you know? And that's what this whole thing boils down to is I believe firefighters deserve a better deal. Bottom line, you know, and uh, and uh, most of our cities have no idea what they're doing. They just to them, this is inconvenient. They don't want to deal with it. But, um, you know, I believe that this can have a bigger impact than getting you a three percent cola this year. This will have a more profound impact on your future. And, and it's just it's just a matter of putting it out and modernizing the plan. And then on top of that, most of the plans have not modernized by adding different options within the plan, like a Roth option. Roth can be a powerful tool for you, depending on your tax situation, where you're going to be when you retire. And the other one is the addition of a 401A plan. Like in your guys' department, I don't know if you do this or not, but a lot of departments let you sell back any remaining sick leave that you have when you retire. Say like say say you've got a thousand hours of sick leave left. Yeah. They'll give you, they usually won't give you a dollar for dollar, but they'll give you like yeah. fifty cents on the dollar. Well, what happens? We, we get we are capped, but we get a, an X amount of hours as of right now. But that's some. I think not just us. Every department in the country is constantly fighting in negotiations. That's probably the sure. the next thing that they're going to try and strip away. So. Yeah, but but the thing is, is if 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 they do cash that out, most of the time they write you a check. Well, then the federal government treats it like a bonus, mm-hmm. so you get like thirty to forty percent of it whacked. You know, when you get the check, and your check ends up being fifty, you know, thirty percent of fifty percent, which ends up not being that much. Well, if you have a four hundred one eight plan in there, you can roll that money into the four hundred one eight, which I just did on February twenty eighth. You got a whole nother big, nice little pot of money there for your retirement that you can take in little chunks and not pay as much taxes over the course of your uh, retirement. So there's all these little things. And the cool thing about it is that this is something the city should welcome because it's good for the executives. It's good for all city employees. And sometimes it's just a matter of uh, inspiring the bureaucrats uh, to understand, you know, what the you know new industry best practices are. I'll give you an extreme example of something that I found in some of these plans is what's called a deferred sales charge. Somebody, you know, 30 years ago, put this in the contract. Someone in HR had no idea what they're doing. So I get up in front of this group of firefighters. I said, did you know your plan has a deferred sales charge in there? I'm like, no, what the hell is that? And I said, well, here's, here's the best analogy I have. Let's say every Friday you roll into Chevron and uh, you fuel up your, your truck and uh, you go in for, you buy some chew and you buy a soda. And while you're in there and one day, you know, you've been doing this for years. One day you go in there and the guy behind the counter pisses you off. He treats you like shit or, or whatever. And you're like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to go to Texaco across the street. I don't have to buy my gas here. And he goes, well, you know, you could, you can do that if you want to, but you're going to have to pay me to leave Chevron. They're all like, What? Well, that's what you have in your contract. If you ever switch providers, you have to pay them to leave. And then, of course, our guys fucking lose their minds. <laughs> somebody in HR negotiated this and had no idea what they were doing. 
Another one, and this is rare, but this happened too. Every plan has a pot of money that comes out of everybody's accounts that goes into an account that's supposed to be there to pay for the expenses of the plan. I've caught several cities taking that money and using it to pay for functions within HR that should be paid for by the city, but it was actually coming out of the retirement accounts of the guys. Um, you think the guys lost their minds over that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is what I do, and I love it. I geek out on it, and uh, you know, we I try I try to uh, go in there. I want every firefighter in the country to have a better deal. And so far, the worst one I've done thus far only reduced their fees by forty percent. So I think that tells quite a story on uh, yeah. what a difference we're making. And it's not it's like it's complicated a little bit, and it's not like sexy. But holy crap, can it make a big difference in uh, in people's futures? Yeah. Well, Brian, if, if you're okay with this, I mean, because I know we're so we're actually Brennan was just at a meeting yesterday. We're having an additional deferred comp plan as our option. So I know after this and and with your contact information, now I'm actually probably going to have some questions for you to follow up. But I can only imagine yeah. that anybody listening here could have questions as well. Are you fine if I throw out there that if they want to get a hold of you, that they can message our Facebook and I'll send them your, your contact information? I, I'm not only fine with it, I welcome it. It's my job. I mean, this is what I do. Awesome. And I, I, awesome. More more is better. I, I, I The hardest part, I, I so I'll go to us. What I do is I go to every state convention that will have me. I get up in front yep. of the whole group and I tell the story. And then, then the phone calls start coming in. You know, and, uh, you know, I'll ask, uh, who here has a deferred comp committee? And the most of any state in the nation I've ever had was four. Who, how many of you have ever had your plan go out to bid in the last 10 years? And the most I've ever had is three. I mean, so there's so much work to do. We just got to get people to <clears throat> motivated to, to, you know, pull open the hood of this car and get, get, get under there yeah. and, and, and get things fixed. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys if you guys are listening, if you if you see it or whatever, and uh, you want to talk to Brian, Facebook message us, text Brennan or I if you have a number, we'll we'll get you his contact to talk more because I I know we're gonna have we're gonna have questions. We'll probably hold you after a little bit and uh, be some phone calls just to make sure everything's going off of the hitch. Because yeah, I, mine's been blown on most of the stuff we talked about in the last even forty five <laughs> minutes an hour. Like it's. <laughs> Uh, we have no idea, and that's obviously like you said. While you're here, you've got you've got the knowledge on this to share. So that's yeah. So on to the next one, which I assume <laughs> is only going to even uh, well, my more is I, I'd like to throw this in because beneficial for me. I'm uh, our secretary treasurer for the union, so I just got elected or reelected again. But I took over halfway through last year um, and just started getting to go to conventions. The the first one I ever went to was the uh, officers meeting that, in which I met you at in, in Wisconsin. And, uh, I've started to really love it. So what, uh, what's the best advice that you could give to new executives or new people to the union looking to get involved more as to how to, how to better run and better represent uh, your members? Oh, wow. <clears throat> so I was, you know, I've been, I've been involved in the union, pretty much since the beginning of my career. And um, I have to tell you, I, I, I probably took things a little too far. I took, I got so into it. Like I, like to this day, I'd still like to beat the living shit out of my old city manager. Cause I took it so personally. <laughs> when he did, I mean, I just took it so personally. And, and, and that's the first piece of advice I have is be careful on, uh, on how personal, you know, this, 
it's tough. It's a real uh, fine line because the moment you put on that union hat, members feel very comfortable saying a lot of things to you about you uh, because you, you're you're now sort of a politician, if you will, to them. And uh, you know, just check yourself. Be careful. You know, t- take care of yourself. Um, <clears throat> give it everything you've got. And uh, you know, whether you do it for for five months, five years, or, or five decades, uh, which there there are people that do it for five decades, believe it or not. And uh, you know, just give it everything you've got. Give give it the care and love that you uh, that 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 it deserves. Um, first of all, your secretary treasurer <clears throat> always. Um, you know, you can screw a lot of things up with, with the brothers and sisters, but don't screw up their money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, checks and balances, best practices, following the IFF's guidelines and rules uh, when it turns to audits. And, uh, and if you're investing any of their money, you know, be cautious and conservative with that, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and the next thing is just communicate as much as you can. The tools that you all have today that we didn't have to communicate with our members are so profound. We're using one today. I mean, my God, in the old days, we could have had these tools. We could have communicated so much better. Now, the only downside to some of these tools I've found is, you know, we get our folks that become uh, keyboard warriors. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're they're willing to say things on the keyboard that they wouldn't say at an open union meeting, you know. so Or at a phone call on the kitchen table on speaker. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But finding <laughs> finding that balance is is key. And 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 the other thing is, you know, becoming a union officer. We all went through a training academy. If you, we all went through EMT school, maybe you went to paramedic school. They teach you everything you should know to be a successful emergency responder. Well, just because you became the secretary, treasurer, or president of the union, they didn't teach any of that in the academy. So take advantage of all the educational opportunities out there uh, to become good at, because it's a whole different career. It's a whole, there are, there are laws, there are responsibilities, there are traits. uh, And don't be afraid to learn from, you know, brother and sister, other locals nearby. If you have connections with, you know, use your state president, use other local presidents that have been there uh, to learn the best, best practices. Right. And, uh, but I'll tell you, uh, in, enjoy the wins because um, it is union work is so different than firefighter work because you get to you get get the call get there put the fire out put the car fire out put the dumpster fire out you know get the person back back in their bed whatever it is and you get to back to the station you get that instant gratification union work is far more long term right but when you get the wins you know it's like a drug it is it is to me you know just, that's like this what I just told you. You know, getting a local to reduce their their deferred comp uh, expenses by 50, 60, 70 percent, knowing what that's going to do for an entire generation of firefighters. That is my drug. And so savor the wins, celebrate the wins. Make sure you share the wins because our firefighters, they're like, what have you done for me lately? You know, that, you know, that's, I know, yeah, Jeffries, you did that too. Yeah. We never had seniority bidding. I know you did that. Thank you very much. But what have you done this week? You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's how they are. They can be fickle like that. So don't take it personally, give it everything you've got, but also remember it's a huge responsibility. So be educated, you know, learn what you can uh, and communicate, you know, 
some communication is good, more communication communications are better, and uh, the members appreciate it. If they know what's going on, they're much less likely to be jerks about it if something gets a little uh, little tough. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, really appreciate it. I'll, I'll get so like I said, I'm definitely going to be uh, probably annoying you more than you'd wish in the next coming months with all the all the stuff from <laughs> from today. So I live and um, breathe this stuff, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. So with that, that that's all the uh, the questions we have here. Now we just got our, our last two our, our closing questions. So the the one from our last one, and then uh, your opportunity to come up with one yourself. So uh, question from our last guest, JD, our good good friend mentor, uh, is simply, what do you think makes a good firefighter? To me, the most important element to be a great firefighter is is a is a spirit within you that drives you to put others in front of yourself. And that holds true, not just for the public we serve, but for one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I touched on it pretty heavily before, but um, if you've got that commitment to care about the people around you, your brothers and sisters and care about the public um, by not always putting yourself first, I think to me, that's the most important part. I can, I can teach you how to tie a knot. I can teach you how to handle a hose. I can, uh, um, you know, I, if you're, if you're not, you know, as much as a physical stud, we still work as a team, you know, I, I, I know I can, we're going to get through that. Okay. But I can't teach you to give a shit. I can't teach you to care about your fellow firefighters and about the public, uh, more than your, your own priorities. Today. I can't teach that. So if you have that spirit within you, I think that that goes a long way because I've worked, we've all worked with a diversity of people, which is an amazing strength that we bring to the fire service. We bring people, bring people from different walks of life into the fire service. And, you know, some of them had their different strengths and weaknesses. There's no doubt about it. There's some people that can run through walls. There's some people that know, understand construction better than I do. There's some that are, are just tremendous problem solvers. And there's some that should be doctors because their medical knowledge is so high, you know, that you put those four people on a crew together with all those different backgrounds and strength, you're going to have a heck of a crew. You know, this, this person speaks Spanish, this person, you know, understands, uh, understands construction better than the rest of us. That's the wonderful part of, of being a firefighter is that diversity and what you can learn from one another. But again, it all boils down to, they've got to care. They've got to give a crap about, about what we're doing. Awesome. I like to answer. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's on a lot of the things we've talked about recently and a little bit uh, where you went with that. So now you've got the opportunity to come up with them. Like we said, this is the hardest one. So I don't know if you've been you've been thinking it and coming on with it, but uh, it'll be a question for our next guest, um, which I believe is Chad. Kind of bad, I actually didn't uh, line this one up. Uh, confirm with myself. Yes. Next guest is Chad Daly of Kansas City Fire Department. So BC down there. Great guy. Uh, talk about a lot with him, but he is going to be our nexus on there. So the question that you come up with now is going to be for him. So and how, that is just, what would you ask of the new firefighter wish you've asked? How do we recruit the best and brightest firefighters for the future moving forward? That's a good question. Awesome. 
Yeah, that is absolutely a great one. Just like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, something changed, right? Yeah. There, I don't, I don't have an answer. I do, I, yeah. I, I have ideas, but I don't know if they're the best ideas. This is, this is becoming a serious challenge. There's a, there's something going on with this next generation. There is uh, far less interest in being firefighters as there was yeah. ten or fifteen years ago, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't. I have theories about you know people can make more money making TikTok videos. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I think we're been just pushed for four-year college, especially when I went through school, like high school. There's been the teachers just push four years mm-hmm. to college. Um, yeah. More than the trade jobs are you know, two-year degrees. So I don't know, a lot of kids are just following that four-year plan or uh, nowadays yeah, you can make like, money doing TikTok. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> yeah, like not, not an option unless you bring it up. I mean, like, like Brennan said, when I was going through everybody, I was like, Oh, you know, a counselor is whatnot. It's all what college you're going to go to. What, what, what degree are you going to go for? And once I decided I was going to follow my father's footsteps and do this and I was like, oh, I'm going to tech school. Like, oh yeah, well you can go to that too. I guess you know, what are you, what are you looking for? What's your plan? Like, that that's not an option. They don't lay that out as an option. It's just what degree you're going to get, what four year you're going to. Like, it's yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's a theory, like you said. There's lots of theories out there, and yeah, TikTok. I mean, I saw it, saw a news article. There's apparently some famous TikToker. It's like 21 or something, and she's done doing TikToks because she's sick that she has to do that for work. Like. <laughs> It's yeah. like the, like I saw these comments of like the average twenty one year olds working you know nine to five five days a week like yeah. and you you make TikToks and you're like oh, I'm done I can't do this it's too much work like yeah being an just, influencer yeah I don't know yeah it's yeah I think I think Chad will have some good insights on there Chad's a Chad's a great guy and he'll say it, say it how it is and he'll uh, he'll give some give some good advice on there he got a lot yeah. of a lot of things that he's done recently he got the victim drag strap which you got in there I mean he's He's doing a lot to improve the fire service, but you just started to hear him talk about it. And yeah, we got to, the benefits of being down there with them in, in Wichita and it was a great time. So I think nice. we have some, some good insights on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, with that being said, that's the end of all of our questions. So this next section that we call is just the kitchen table is basically anything uh, that we didn't hit on that you'd like to, to speak on either for the podcast as advice or, Anything that any trainings or anything that you're a part of coming up that you think people would benefit from coming out to participate or see or or do? You know, in in, in regards to trainings and whatnot, uh, you know, especially for the union officers out there, you know, I I'll tend to be at just about all the state uh, conventions uh, coming up. Uh, 2024, I think it's going to be a great year for us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I hope to run into y'all. Please come up and say hi if, uh, if I'm at your state convention. Uh, if while I'm there, there's something in particular in your, in your area, or you, you know, would like to schedule time or something, let me know. I'm flexible. I love to do it. So, uh, hope to, hope to see you at the state conventions and whatnot. Uh, beyond that, you know, a couple other thoughts. I, I, I always put it out there that, you know, our generation has bore the brunt of this cancer problem. You know, even the generation before us, that a lot of the uh, the uh, combustibles were not nearly as laden with chemicals as ours are today, and so the burden moving forward, all of us have a responsibility to make sure that the next generation doesn't have to experience this epidemic of cancer that we're going through. It is, it has to be number one priority for us that our turnouts have to change. And I think in particular, our, our uh, rehab and washdown procedures 
we can't get lazy. We cannot. We, we've got to put much more emphasis on getting that crap off of us as quickly as possible. I don't care what anybody says, getting the bottles out of the truck, getting the equipment out of the truck so it's not off-gassing on us, getting it bagged and tagged and cleaned and, and away from us as quickly as possible, getting our butts back to the station, getting a shower. Uh, new stations should be designed as clean stations. So you you go through a process before you ever bring that crap in near your food uh, or near your bathroom, et cetera. I mean, we've got to look at this through a whole different lens. We owe it to the next generation of firefighters not to inherit all this cancer that all of us are having to go through. So because uh, the chemicals are not going away. I mean, this shirt I'm wearing right now is, is made of chemicals. And as you guys know, it burns and puts off all kinds of garbage. So. We've got to we've got to rethink everything, and, and everything's got to be on the table. Tradition be damned, right? We've got to. This is serious. I mean, it's killing people. We put more people on the wall the last few years from cancer than any other cause out there. It used to be heart attacks; those days are over. We got in shape. We got our cholesterol down. We started eating better at the firehouse. We've done a good job with that. And the next thing is cancer, so uh, uh, we've got to do everything we can. Yeah, get screened, get those physicals, get them in early. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what comes of everything with us with now everybody's starting to get that. Cause a lot of a lot of the guys, even the senior guys by us, I mean, they've never had that for their anytime they've gotten a physical or anything, it's been on their own time. So yeah. we've got a couple ones that we used to I think it was like once you hit 40 or something, you used to get one every five years from the department. Mm-hmm. So our like Brendan shouted out our, our new health and safety officer, Heather Shoemaker. She she did a great job. She uh Got them, got them in. We get them now uh, every every three years, I believe. We're on a rotating schedule, so doesn't matter your age. You get get them right in, and it's important catch it early. Yeah, well, um, I'll tell you, brothers. I I'm, I'm I'm so honored to be with you guys. This has been a blast. Uh, I always like to give a shout out to uh, to my bosses, uh, Eddie Kelly and, uh, and and Frankie Lima at the IFF. Uh, giving me time to come do stuff like this. Uh, they're, they're doing a great job at the IFF, protecting and enhancing your guys' interests. And uh, I just want to wrap with uh, Merry Christmas and best to you and your families. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming on. That was great. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, uh, we end our podcast the same way every every single time. So I'm not sure if you, you've seen her or you heard it, but our slogan is simply the don't be a shitbag. So I like, to, I like to take us off with that, then Brennan, and then we like to have our guests end it with uh, that same saying. So no yeah, like, you said, yeah, like you just said, Merry Christmas. Thank everybody for watching. And as always, don't be a shitbag. Thanks, guys. Don't be a shitbag.